Welcome to Paranormal Things. I'm your host, Keith, from Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that is. And we're going to try to um, study a full, full effect of D.B. Cooper's case, uh, brought to you by Josh Gates and Expedition Unknown. Without further ado, here you go. ...using the name Dan Cooper. He carries a briefcase which hasn't been inspected by airport security. That's because here in 1971, despite a rash of attempted hijackings, there, there isn't is no any airport security. On board, passengers are stowing their belongings, taking their seats, and settling in for the short 28-minute flight. Thank you. Mr. Cooper settles into seat 18E at the back of the aircraft and orders himself a bourbon and 7-Up, a sophisticated drink at the time. It isn't until the plane taxis away from the gate that he hands 23-year-old flight attendant Flo Schaffner a note. Of course, a lot of businessmen pass notes to Flo, so she promptly disregards it. But this one was different. And just like that, the fate of this normal commuter flight has suddenly changed course and is about suddenly to become the stuff of legend. New York City. Who is D.B. Cooper? He is known as D.B. Cooper, mastermind of the only unsolved skyjacking in history, and what some believe to be the perfect crime. In 1971, this mysterious traveler threatens to blow up Orient Flight 305. He's given $200,000 and four parachutes before vanishing out the back of a Boeing 727, never to be seen again. Where the crime captivates the nation and sets off the largest manhunt in U.S. history. But now, decades later, the FBI is officially giving up on the case unsolved. Not everyone is throwing in the towel. Journalists, scientists, and passionate citizens may be closer than ever to cracking the case wide open. They're uncovering FBI documents, pushing the scientific bounds of forensic testing, and developing mind-blowing, groundbreaking theories about who D.B. Cooper was and what happened to him. So fasten your seatbelts and place your seatbacks in the upright position. Because we're taking off on an expedition unknown manhunt, chasing aviation's most uh, legendary outlaw. D.B. Cooper case. My name is Josh Gates. Look at that, with a degree in archaeology and a passion for exploration. He's I been have a everywhere. to end up in some very strange situations. This is horrible. This is officially horrible. Climbing a massive. My travels have taken me to the ends of the earth. Christopher Columbus type. I investigate the greatest ship. legends in history. Nina the Pita and Santa Maria. This is Expedition Unknown. Everything we know about what Cooper said and did that night comes from witness statements and the vast case files of the FBI, which are sealed and now shelved. So I'm starting my investigation right here in New York by meeting with Jeffrey Gray, the author of the best-selling book, Skyjack. He's also the only investigative journalist with a copy of the full FBI files. Have all of these been seen publicly before or no? 
These are documents that have never been released or never really been shown in any forum until right now. How did this come to pass? You know, I'm an investigative reporter, so I cannot tell you where I got these uh, FBI confidential case files. It wouldn't be a D.B. Cooper story if you could. There There has to be some sense of mystery. Cooper's taken on this kind of cult status as a as a character, and we have this image of him. Who is you know from that sketch? You cannot. The two FBI composite like sketches of D.B. Cooper are iconic. His glasses on, he looks like Cooper looks, looks suave, like one of the men in black. Suit, straight, slick hair, stark glasses, a cool and collected criminal mastermind. I was going to do that. Do you think that's accurate? One of the new things I can tell you from these FBI files is a description from Robert Gregory. No passenger gave a more detailed description of the skyjacker than Robert Gregory, who was sitting diagonally across from him. And what he would later tell the FBI in his interview may forever change what we think we know about D.B. Cooper. He says that his hair, okay, and you can see here, was jet black, like mine, (laughs) wavy, a greasy patent leather sheen. So Gregory also tells us something else. The clothing, reddish brown suit with wide lapels, color was unusual, more of a a russet color, and then you have the tie. This guy's tie wasn't a Pierre Cardin, it was a Towncraft, which means he got it from J.C. Penney. It was actually a three-year-old tie that busboys used. Sounds like an ugly 70s suit. A completely ugly suit. This is like a leisure suit. Larry, we have evidence that shows a very different guy. Right. The Cooper who, who took over this airplane, the Skyjacker, and the Cooper who everyone knows are two different guys. Cooper, it turns out, wasn't exactly Don Draper. His appearance was much more ordinary, his clothes disheveled and thrown together. But for some reason, that description was never factored into the now famous sketches. Over the years, the FBI interviewed nearly a thousand potential suspects based on the drawings, including men turned in by their own suspicious families. None were ever charged with the crime. If we really want to understand who D.B. Cooper is, we have to understand that there is no D.B. Cooper. He's right. It was only through a widely repeated media error that he even became known as D.B. The man who hijacked Flight 305 was ticketed under the name Dan Cooper. That is probably one of the biggest clues in the case. Now, for years, the FBI the was stumped. What they for? didn't know was that there Cooper. actually was a Dan Cooper, but that Dan Cooper wasn't a person. It was actually a comic book character. And I'll show you what Dan Cooper looks like. This is the comic. That's Dan Cooper. So hold on. This is a comic and about it has a, guy a guy in the front. Named Dan Cooper, and the cover is literally him jumping out, jumping of, an out, of, an out of an airplane. Oh my I god. Mean, that's an impossible coincidence, isn't it? I think that that is a coincidence that is too coincidental to ignore. The comic book was published in Belgium, but was popular must in have Canada. Got the idea. It features like a I said, brazen military, military going all over if the world, you know, where they, where they send it. could well you know, be French-Canadian in the military, or a wannabe daredevil. So the current state of affairs with this case, publicly, is that the FBI has said, kind of, we give up. This case is being investigated every, every day, and the people, I think, who have the best grip on the case are the civic sleuths that have actually, you know, are responsible for making the big, the big latest breaks. There are really, I'll diplomatically use the word, passionate people who are really deep into this. Well, you know about the Cooper curse, right? No. What's the Cooper curse? The Cooper case is an obsession. There's no way not to you're get obsessed get in, with it you're once you get start into getting it. into it. Once you get into it, you get into it full blast. something else that takes you in another direction. 
What is it about the Cooper story that's so obsessive? It's a treasure hunt, and the hunt is un unveiling the true identity of the hijacker, and the stakes are very high. Armed with a handful of new clues and a plan not to go off the deep end, I begin my investigation to find out who D.B. Cooper really was, how he commandeered that aircraft, and how he got away. The flight from Portland to Seattle is less than half an hour. A few minutes after takeoff, Cooper lists his demands to flight attendant Florence Schaffner. She jots them down and then quickly takes them to the cockpit. Cooper's demands are fairly straightforward. He asks for $200,000 in negotiable American currency, four parachutes, a fuel truck he got to be away with in it, Seattle, kinda. and if he thoughtfully did, if he did, food he, for the flight. If he didn't jump out of an airplane, flight 305 trees is being hijacked. In the forest, heavy forest of uh, Washington State. The crew immediately follows the required protocols. Northwest 305, we're being hijacked. When they land in Seattle, Cooper exchanges the passengers for the money and parachutes, and he tells the flight crew he wants to go to Mexico. Since he claims to have a bomb, they have no choice but to oblige. With the money and the parachutes aboard, Flight 305 gets back in the air. But what route it takes when it leaves Seattle is, like everything else in this <laughs> Josh case, Gates is narrating this. Um, to kind chase of Cooper, doing, I catch my own flight to where Northwest uh, Orient 305 first took off. He's dressed like D.B. Cooper himself. Portland, Oregon. I guess just to see how it feels like. Portland is an unusual town. Monorail system. Portland is a underground town. Shanghai the used to hang Shanghai people. Keep them underground. We'll never use that. It's the perfect place to hitch up your tiny unicorn. Try a hipster bacon-covered donut. Bacon-covered donut. Workout. How about that? I work here now. It's happening. I'm a full-time employee at a store. Or hit up a craft brewery. Beer and beer and beer and beer. My crew has arranged a little surprise party for a milestone I'm honored to reach. I'm finally visiting my 50th state. Oh, they've been to all 50 states now. Oregon, I guess, was the last one. Alabama. Alabama. Texas. Texas, there we go. Connecticut. The mean streets of Connecticut. Michigan. Michigan. That's it here. Cheers, everybody. A salute. Mastrovia. But I'm not just in town to celebrate. I'm here to investigate. Some kind of foreign beer. Cooper hijacks the plane here in Portland. After getting the money and parachutes in Seattle, the plane heads south toward Mexico. Based on when the FBI believes Cooper jumped out of the plane, they establish a search zone in the forests around Ariel, Washington, which is where I'm headed next. So this is the original FBI search area. Miles and miles of nothing but forests and mountains. And frankly, this is a terrible place to jump out of an airplane. I mean, look around. You've got nothing trees. but incredibly he, he tall trees impaled that you can get impaled or snagged up on. You've got lakes. You've got rivers. There's very little infrastructure here, very few roads that he could escape out on. But after four decades and thousands and thousands of investigators pouring through these woods, money nobody's found something? a parachute. Nobody's found a body. The man Not who called himself Dan Cooper appears to have just vanished off the face of the earth. But what if the reason the FBI never found anything in these woods is because Cooper was never here? 
I grab a car and drive 20 miles to connect with three dedicated aviation experts and researchers who have asked me Tina to meet Bar. them at a spot called Tina Bar. Tina Bar. Hey, Josh. Uh, Josh, how are you? I'm Bruce. Tina hey, Bruce, Bar. nice to meet you. It's how a location nice along you, uh, the river Fire. in nice um, to meet you guys. Washington State. The FBI State. established their drop zone pretty far away from here. And how did you guys come up with one that's so different? The FBI was looking where most commercial airplanes flying at 10,000 feet or lower would be flying. And that would be in that area about 20 miles that away uh -huh. uh, to the east. The speculation is this. With a bomb on board, the pilots didn't want to fly over populated areas of Vancouver and Portland. So if they flew a few miles west, they would avoid that. Right. And that puts them right here. The plane's accepted flight path over Ariel, Washington, established the FBI search area. But since the pilots wanted to avoid major cities, the men theorized that the actual course would have been further west, over this very spot. This spot is significant because it's the only place where any money from the D.B. Cooper story has ever been found. In February of 1980, there, a family on a camping trip was building a fire pit when their young boy swept his hand through the sand and found force. three stacked bundles of cash totaling $5,800, all bearing the serial numbers of D.B. Cooper's they ransom money. Found money. Some are convinced that did. it was placed here by Cooper himself as a diversion. Others think it washed up after Cooper died in the fall. So when that money was found, the Why FBI, I'm sure, must turned not have up been here in droves, right? Yes. But did they search this They're whole area hit the spot you identified know. as the new drop zone? That's crazy. So they focused Dumb. here, but not the rest the of dark. this new drop zone. Yes. We think that area needs to be searched more. What stands to be found here, do you think? Basically, the remnants of a parachute and a harness. The metal hardware on the parachute. The frame, harnesses, uh, clips, and some personal items. Pocket knife, it's, buckles, it's rotted pocket to the knife, core. Things like that. Let's not forget for the, the rest metal. of the money. And the money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right, boys, well, let's get to it, huh? This is a fairly this vast river, area, so the men have called in reinforcements in the form of a small army of D.B. Cooper enthusiasts. Along, along, and with metal detectors the in hand, the we all fan out to see if history might be right under our feet. Part of me feels really confident about this search. You know, I, I do buy into the logic behind it, but it's hard to escape the fact that what we're looking for is a real needle in a haystack. It's not just one man or a parachute or money. It's in an area that has changed so much. We're talking about almost 50 years on now. So the hunt may be in a promising place. Where is D.B. Cooper? If he got away with it. Lucky for us, it only takes an hour to get a solid hit on our metal detectors. Something big there. Meyer, I got a pretty big hit! Did Josh find something? I gave the phone. It's near my office. Hello. I'm chasing new leads in the hunt for infamous skyjacker D.B. Cooper. In southern Washington, I'm working with researchers who believe this is the real location where Cooper parachuted into the unknown more than four decades ago. Josh, find something? Thanks, man. D.B. Cooper, they must have found something. Piece of metal. Something, piece of metal. It's, uh... Okay, 
Okay, so what do you got? Got a good hit on the metal detector, just trying to figure out what it is. Piece of metal. What is that? Could be a hook to the parachute. Could be a hook to the parachute. Never know. Piece of something. Some kind of clip. Some kind of a some kind of ring. Could be an accessory from the parachute. Never know. Could be. Anyone who's ever strapped on a parachute, which I have not, thank you very much, knows they contain rings and clips. And this metal does resemble the hardware from Cooper's chute. But it's a long shot. Or it could be nothing. Could be nothing. nothing. Right. Could that's the nothing. that's the mystery. What do you could say to some, people who some would guy say, look, it's some been beach four decades, even the FBI's given up on this. It's not going to be solved. Well, look at the history of the case. The biggest clue, the biggest lead, the biggest break in the case occurred eight years after the skyjacking by an eight-year-old kid getting ready to cook hot dogs on the beach. Right. Wasn't the FBI. It wasn't the FBI. They showed up two kid. days later. It was a right? kid. Okay. It was the eight-year-old yeah, All we kid. need is that one piece of evidence. So I think that's what sources are going. right. That one piece of evidence is going to be the piece that puts the puzzle all together. If you find that uh, critical piece of evidence, I hope you give me a call. We'll call you right away. We hey, promise. Hey, Thank you, Josh. Thank you very much. The metal well, will be sent to a lab for testing. They, they Just see. another sliver of hope to find something connected to a man who didn't leave anything they to chance. They didn't invest very long on it. Just After Cooper gets the ransom money in Seattle, he says he wants the plane to fly to Mexico at an altitude of 10,000 feet with the flaps he he trimmed payday, to 15 degrees. The pilots insist in that configuration the plane won't make it all the way to Mexico. So they decide to make a refueling stop in Reno. On the way, Cooper settles in and ingratiates himself with the flight attendant. He makes small talk, and he smokes, a total of eight cigarettes throughout the entire ordeal. The cigarette butts represent the one source of potentially viable Cooper DNA, which is a shame, because Ask in the years a lot that of follow, questions. the FBI will she lose this crucial evidence. Buddy up with them at the time that they were hijacked. In 1971, Cooper couldn't have known that DNA from a cigarette could be used to identify him. Still, he's scrupulous in collecting all potential evidence, such as the notes that he wrote. But he makes one huge mistake. He forgets that he's taken off his Take black clip-on tie. Takes off his tie and tie. it down. I don't know what he did that for. Very few get outside investigators ever tested the tie. Which is why I can't wait to talk to one of them. Tom K. from his lab in Tucson. Tom. Josh. How are you? Good to see you finally. I really wanted to chat with you because I know that you you had this really special access to some of the uh, evidence in this case. Yeah, that's true. Primarily we were interested in D.B. Cooper's tie. The thing about a tie is it follows you around everywhere you go. This is the full story about D.B. Cooper. And and that's the important point here because it accumulates particles from everywhere you've ever been. And so what's the process? How do you get particles off the tie? Well, we went there kind of loaded with these uh, stubs they're called. They're small aluminum discs and they have carbon sticky tape on them. And then we stick it to the tie and peel it back off. We got 19 sticky stubs off of Cooper's tie. And, and, and on those stubs, how many different particles were you able to identify? We looked at the particles by hand, and we were able to identify about 700 different particles. Wow, that's a lot. And so when you say you looked at it all by hand, I mean, do you feel like you've gotten all the evidence there is to get? You know, we have a lot of particles, and we have only the ability to look at them manually, which really hinders our ability to analyze the particles one by one. We know that there's hundreds to thousands of particles waiting to be analyzed. 
what's the process to actually look at those additional particles? Well, you know, in a perfect world, there's a device and it can do 3,000 particles per hour. That's what we need. With the FBI having shelved the Cooper case, I can't resist jumping into the citizen-led search myself. Mercury. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to be too forward here, but if, if, if I could help facilitate that, if we could find a way to, to get other, a lab, three other and if Earth we can, let's, let's see if we can get Earth those tested and see what modern technology can, can bring to the equation. If your team could pull off something like that, we would absolutely be at the door instantly. Okay, great. Well, let me, let me look into it, Tom, and we'll, we'll pick up the conversation from there. Sounds good. Great talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye. Eager to help Tom out, my team and I start reaching out, hoping to find a lab willing to crack one of our greatest unsolved mysteries. Where is he at? Back aboard Northwest Orient 305, the man who once owned that clip-on tie tells flight attendant Tina Mucklow to join the rest of the crew in the cockpit, instructing her to close the first-class curtain and for no one to come out. DB's gonna make his famous jump. That was the last anyone saw of the man now known as DB Cooper. Jumped out of the 727 jet. Expedition unknown. Josh Gates. He's first born. The hijacking of Northwest Orient uh, Flight 305 by DB Cooper remains one of the great unsolved crimes of the 20th century. But examining the timeline of the case may reveal crucial new evidence that could help identify where Cooper jumped and whether he really got away. With the flight crew no sequestered in the cockpit, Boy, nobody straps knows. on one of the parachutes and finds the Ooh, switch to darkness lower the stairs on the plane. The pilots report feeling movement in the tail of the aircraft around 8.13 p.m., an indicator that Cooper has depressurized the door, descended the stairs, and jumped into history. trace of Cooper was ever found in that drop zone over Ariel, Washington. But Never. that doesn't stop the local Cooper aficionados from celebrating the event that put their town on the map. D.B. Cooper, 45th anniversary day. How about that? They have a... They have a Around Katie, here, Cooper Pat's is a counterculture folk hero, and they've been throwing him a party almost every year since 1972. The party celebrates Cooper as a fearless individual. Everybody's dressed like D.B. Cooper. found an amazing way to stick it to the man Kids are playing and get with away jets, with it. 727 Jets. D.B. Cooper was our modern-day Jesse James. I think it's great he got away. Hold on a second here, sir. Wait a minute. Wait just, yeah, a, just a minute. Who are you? Are D.B. Cooper? You are. Party has been held here. He's 90 years old. At the Ariel General Store, a self-styled, smoke-filled, veritable museum of Cooper oddities. And I'm not just talking about the tchotchkes. Do you think he made it out? Well, yeah, because the whole thing was Nixon distracting us from Vietnam. It's a government inside job. <laughs> yeah, a government inside job. Government inside job, well, he got away so he could have this big party. <laughs> <laughs> To D.B. Cooper, let's salute again. Locals even attend the festivities dressed up as Cooper. Ransom money and all. <laughs> Guys which, wearing after a... a few beers, inspires my own daring heist. Just because the FBI never found their man here, more beer. It doesn't mean there's nothing of Cooper's to see in Washington. In a there small is museum so in Tacoma, much, I come face so to face with an important piece of Cooper landed. evidence. 
There are obviously very few physical pieces of evidence left from the Cooper skyjacking, and this is one of them. This is really extraordinary. It's one of the four what parachutes that four? was given to Cooper by the FBI, and it's one of the two that he left that's, behind. That was part of the at the time, so. this was the newer, sportier model. It would have given Cooper more control on the way down, and yet he didn't take this. He opted for the older military chute. And that raises a really that, puzzling yeah, question. Yeah, because he could be military man. was a military guy and that he took a parachute he was familiar with? Or does it mean that he didn't actually know much about parachuting at all and just made the could wrong choice? Guess, could be. He, I he, leave he, the he might need more. How's that? Behind and press on to a meeting with a researcher who recently published really a paper explaining really how he thinks Cooper may have eluded capture. Uh, At Seattle's Boeing Field, I meet retired FBI agent and former Vietnam parachuter this is Ron, Greg Hall. Ron, that's the way it'll be. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. What a spot for a meeting. It is. Thanks for coming out. Anchor, this is a 727. This is for me. And, it's not by uh, chance that David Cooper that. selected this style of airplane. Okay? I'll show you why. Say thank right. you, sir. Poor man. DB Cooper's yeah? full story on the, on the hijacking itself. They were found on two aircraft at that time, two commercial registered aircraft. And what's your Dan Cooper. coming into this? Well, I served in the uh, Army as a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne. Wow. And that's, I that's prestigious, 82nd Airborne. Not stared, but we call it tailgate. And I believe Cooper was also an experienced military parachutist, most likely Army. And he also jumped from tailgates. What makes you believe that Cooper was military? Because the way the whole crime developed, uh-huh. and he jumped at night, which we're trained to jump at night, he used another aspect of an operation plan, that's called a diversion. Diversion in airborne operations is similar to a magician using sleight of hand, it's misdirection. Okay. And so in a diversion, you try to make the enemy think, in this case, the criminal investigators think you jumped in one place, which in this case would have been southern Washington state. So you're saying you think that the original drop zone is incorrect? Yes, absolutely. He's saying he jumped into a somewhere near Reno, Nevada, which would be My better because the mysterious like, case of the skyjacker known as guy in Iraq or has led like me that. to retired FBI a lot of desert. and former Army paratrooper Greg Hall, who has raised a groundbreaking new theory. Showing, so you're saying you think that the original uh, drop zone is incorrect? Josh Cates yes, about how absolutely. he opened the tailgate. I think the original stairwell zone was based upon jumped right the out. diversion he created back here. And it was very successful, successful enough that it fooled law enforcement for 45 years. And he created that diversion by coming down the stairs and he jumped on him to cause the plane to oscillate, which was felt up on a control yoke by the pilots. It has long been believed that Cooper jumped at approximately 8.13 p.m. because this is the time when the pilots recorded what they described as a pressure bump. The assumption is that when Cooper opened the aft door, the pilots felt it and assumed he jumped immediately. But what if he didn't? I wonder if he could have closed the door. up and down on the stairs to trick the crew into thinking he'd vacated the aircraft, making them record the wrong jump time causing the FBI to establish a totally incorrect drop zone. It depends on how smart he was. And so what do you think is his most likely jump point? Just to go along with what I said earlier about him being an experienced parachutist, you'll look for a drop zone that has open area, it has roads, or something you can hitchhike to and get in. I'd say his most likely jump point was north of Reno. The plane's coming in, approaching the airport to land. 
It's going low and slow. Right. It'll come down and jump and be done with it. It's a very logical theory, but I'm skeptical since there's no corroborating evidence. Or is there? Greg tells me that just a few days after the hijacking, the Reno Gazette got a letter that read, Thanks Thank for the hospitality, signed D.B. Cooper. Cooper. Wow. The note was cobbled together with scraps from an article in the Sacramento Bee published a few days earlier. Sacramento is the closest big Oakdale, city to Reno, California. just a two-hour drive away. Nine, five, two, six, one. Has someone really tested that theory to try to establish a more southerly search zone? No, it has not been tested. And is there a way to test that? Is there a way to, to try to create a new drop zone? The best way to test that theory is go ahead and do it. Do a parachute jump. Out of a plane on approach to Reno. Out of a plane with a parachute on approach to Reno, yes. Well, who's crazy enough to try that? You. you. <laughs> no. You scared shitless. Against my better judgment, Greg and I fly 700 miles to Reno, Nevada. Big little they call town. It the biggest little city in the world, which I guess plays better on paper than Vegas, but much Damn weirder. Man, just like everything and else in Reno Nevada. might not shine quite as oh, bright as Sin City. You too. get the feeling that Reno doesn't really give a damn what you think, and I like that. This is also where DB Cooper's skyjacked plane landed, minus one skyjacker. Greg's plan here is simple: he, follow Flight 305's original flight some. path into Reno. Then, at the spot where he believes Cooper really parachuted, I'm supposed to do the same thing, which I've never ever done, done. before. Before I never, have a chance ever to tell Greg that I'm on the verge of throwing up, too, I'm on a tarmac meeting Juan <laughs> and his two guys Dave, are just waiting there with the parachutes. They're my new worst enemies slash best friends. What's the plan? Where am I jumping? You're going to be on the same flight path as a 727 back in 1971 going into Reno. And when you get at the proper this sounds location, a little loud. I think that wanted to get every word from, of it. You're going to exit the aircraft. When you get on the ground, you'll have a GPS unit. You'll lock in the coordinates. And I'll vector and run out of the computer jet okay, plane. Makes sense. And just you ready? Not 727 really was a computer <laughs> full uh, confession computer plan. I have kind of avoided this my whole life I've done every crazy thing you can think of except for this we'll take it easy on you I'm terrified of this if you weren't concerned if you didn't have any anxiety we'd be concerned have a little bit of fear oh I got a little bit of fear <laughs> he's got a <laughs> lot of fear he's probably right pissing his pants how many jumps have you had you know there's my second day today this guy Okay, boys, let's go. There are times in my line of work when I can't believe the incredibly amazing things I get to do. Have I mentioned that I don't want to do this? <laughs> At all. But he's he's getting into gear and he's... And then there are times like I, this. I don't think I'd ever leave. I'm scared to fly, period. I, I gotta fly to in January. 25 you years since I've been on a plane. Take you out of the airplane? How many? Only Juan. Oh my god. <laughs> Please don't let that be the last joke I hear on this earth. Splat. Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Greg, you read me? Ten for it. Copy. How about me? Loud and clear. Let's rock and roll. There they go. Up in a single engine the Cessna. Plane lurches into the air. Okay, here we go. And I'm keenly aware of each foot we climb on the way up because I'm going to have to fall through every one of them again on the way down. I wonder how... Oh, my God! 5,000 feet in the sky, man. Hey, Captain, and we're going to be trying to link in with the original Northwest Orient flight path. The thinking is that 
Up is go. Up is go, right? A lot of desert underneath. A lot of place for him to land. He's six foot three and he gotta go at least two fifty. I'll let you listen to this. This is Maybe it's not too late him to doing this for the first time in his life. After all, do we really need to know what happened to D.B. Cooper? Once we hit 11,000 feet, Juan tells now me it's 11, it was 5,000. There are 11,000 feet in the sky. And I'll be flying a plane, not flying it, but then, riding like it. 35,000 feet for all those who know what's going down. He was strapped to the to the experienced. Uh, I'm on a small plane approaching parachutist. Reno, Nevada, to retrace the path of the 727 that DB Cooper skyjacked in 1971. To help they're establish dro- a new zone, I'm about to jump perfectly good in tandem. I'm supposed to love adventure, and I do. But also, I've spent my entire adult life avoiding jumping out of a plane. A moment, my heart is, is in my throat, and I'm shaking what all is over. With that? There's no way out, but down. Just go. That's what I'm going to do on the airplane. Sit on it, watch it, watch the wing go up, just like a roller coaster going up a hill, and turn, yeah, turn your head and just do what you got to do to. Stay calm, cool, and collected. Twenty-five years, man. Twenty-five years. You kind of know how he feels. What an experience, huh? I I, I don't think I could do it. As I free fall over the Reno landscape, I can't help but think. This is exactly what Davy Cooper must have felt as he hurtled toward the waiting world below. Beautiful sunshine. This is the ideal place to parachute. It's impossible for me to imagine Cooper at night in those thick forests. Does he have a phone like mine, which is my everything? Uh, DP Cooper collection, my ghost collection, my goblins. UFO. Good job, man. Josh Gates seemed to be my primary Woo! so far. He did oh, what he did. God. Kiss the earth, man. I can't mm. describe it. I don't have any words to really describe what that's like. Oh God, that was the scariest. Now he got one jump in. I, I can only see he got one jump in. Oh. He probably want to do it again. Before I did this, I was very confident I was going to come down here and say that it was fun, but I would never do it again. But I would do it again right now. I really would. Oh, man. Fall 11,000 feet. <laughs> All right. Hey, Juan. That's me. I'm sorry. Thanks, buddy. I know. Thank you. You did great. That was amazing. Oh, man. All right. I got to call my guy by walkie. I'm going to take this stuff off. Okay. You want me to help you out? Yeah. You grab the chute, okay. and I'll go out and meet, uh, and meet Greg. Go for it, Greg.
I lock in my GPS coordinates, set them to Greg, and make my way toward the road to meet him. How much can you uh, report on one team? Greg, I see you. I do this on my phone. Roger, I have you in sight. Oh my what God, an experience. that is officially the craziest thing I've ever done. Josh, if they're going I want to ask you one question. Everything happens in the desert. The UFOs. Would you rather land in this desert scrub, very soft and spongy, or in a pine tree in the state of Washington? That's exactly what I was thinking when we were coming down. Was That's looking down here, do. you could he almost did. land anywhere. Exactly. You know, and up in the original search area up in Washington State, it seems like the worst possible place to jump out of an airplane. Correct. And has anybody ever searched this area? Nope. No one has ever searched this area. Nobody's you, ever gone out have and looked for anything. You'd have to use LIDAR or something to because, strip again, away the Because, again, the focus was two states away, and that's where Cooper wanted it. Right. If, if Our the money is there or the body the original there. FBI search area may be as much as 400 miles away from Cooper's real drop an zone. An all-new location just begging to be investigated for the very first time. I think Cooper fooled everybody with that diversion. He was hoping to buy probably 48 hours to get out of this area and instead he bought 45 years he fooled us all he fooled everybody still looking for him who is he but now we got a whole new place to search exactly we begin the first of what will be many sweeps of this area when i get the call i've been waiting for my team and i found a lab with the equipment needed to conduct next-gen testing of the particles on db cooper's tie and the results are in so I hop a plane to Tucson to meet investigator Tom Kay, who can interpret the findings. Hey, Tom, how are you? Josh, good to see you. Yeah, good to meet you in person. This Finally, part yeah. was on... So, uh, uh, I understand that a lab daring has been able to test the tie samples for additional particles. Absolutely. Through the efforts of your team, we were able to get the McCrone Group out of Chicago, which is one of the foremost labs in the country, to do an automated analysis of all 19 of our stubs. Okay, so what they find? What they found was a hundred thousand particles. So we've got seven hundred particles to a hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. Please tell me that the results show something interesting. Absolutely, fantastic, fantastic results. results. That's where they surprise you to, with the uh, commercial. Boom. We've assisted DB Cooper investigator Tom Kay in securing the technology needed to scan particles left on the discarded necktie of the notorious Skyjacker. The hope to answer the million-dollar question: Who is DB Cooper? Please tell me that the results show something interesting. You bet they do. Really? Absolutely. Fantastic results. Awesome. So, what specifically showed up? So, we have representations here in these little vials. Okay. So, this is cerium. It's a rare earth element. And lanthanum is another one. Uh, this is yttrium. Okay. And this one is. Mercury. 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 Okay. So I did, I these rare right. earth elements in 1971, what what would these things be used for? Well, we start with the most unusual of those, which is the rare earth element yttrium. Okay. What's the most common use for yttrium in 1971? It turns out it's the red phosphor in TV screens. Huh. 23 out of the 26 particles we found are related to production of CRT tubes. It doesn't have to be television, right? I mean, it's... It's, it's the cathode ray tube that's used in televisions, but right. it's also used in other things, like in the military, they would use it for radar screens. In instruments, they would use it for, like, oscilloscope screens. So these cathode ray tubes are, are found in lots of different products. Right. 
And so, based on what you find on the tie, who is this guy? So it strongly suggests that he's in the manufacturing world of CRT tubes. So, I mean, that, in a lot of ways, really wipes the slate clean of a lot of these previous suspects. Well, for a lot of people that are championing those suspects, yes, it's a real problem. Real because problem. this evidence suggests strongly he's from a very advanced manufacturing environment. Wow. You know, what's so fascinating is that you, you hear this announcement from the FBI where they say, we're basically you know, like giving that? up here, we're going to close the case, leave it unsolved. In the 70s, that was... And yet... It's Just still marching forward with big new discoveries. The last evidence that was new came up in 1980 when they found the mine. This is the only new evidence to show up, and it's evidence that's localizing what world Cooper lived in. This has got to be the most significant evidence to come out of this case since 1980. The evidence is historic, and it underscores something that's been haunting me since I first started down this rabbit hole. Everything we think we know about D.B. Cooper is dead wrong. The FBI files reveal that Cooper was far less refined than we imagined. His name appears to be inspired by a comic, comic book, book, and he How may well they, be from north they, of the border. Somebody really investigated There's more that. searching to be done along the beaches of Tina Bar. We have an entirely new drop zone just outside of Reno, with a compelling theory that Cooper hailed from a military background. And now this, new physical evidence that places Cooper in a highly specific and technical industry. Mm -hmm. Author Jeff Gray warned me not to get too close to this case, that looking for Cooper Mercury. can become an obsession. And now I see why. Cooper mania, as it's known, endures Cooper because forever. on some level, we Especially all want to feel State. what he felt to make that big Especially jump and defy did. the pressures of the world. If he gets away, we get away. The FBI may have put this case on ice, but as far as I can tell, the hunt for D.B. Cooper is just heating up. Well, there you have it. Click, click, click. Well, you got it. D.B. Cooper, the full story. Until we meet again, sleep tight.